Welcome to the internet. Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you, you'd be the first. Welcome to the podcast. Today you just get me. It's usually with Jeremy, but now it's just JT. I started singing and I don't know how to win this tune. It appears that as usual, this was not well thought through. Hey. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jeremy's on vacation, a very well-deserved vacation, and usually I would wait for him uh, to do basically anything. Uh, but this particular time, uh, I can't. Um, I can't because culturally, uh, this particular special is blowing up. I can't because I've been thinking about this special for uh, every second since I've seen it, basically. Uh, also, you know, we've never really done the comedy thing. Um, and the truth is, is that anybody who listens to this that knows me, which is a fair amount of you, uh, comedy is like a big deal to me. Like, I love comedy. And so I'm going to nerd out on this one and kind of break a bunch of rules uh, and hopefully set the stage for us doing more comedy stuff going forward. Uh, but today, just me, by myself, I'm going to talk about Bo Burnham's inside. So I want to kind of start with who is Bo Burnham, uh, which is a great question and one that I think is best answered by Bo Burnham and Gary Shandling. So if you are not familiar with Paul Provenza's The Green Room uh, at the comedy festival in uh, Montreal, Just for Laughs, Paul Provenza used to do this cool little sit down with a bunch of comics. And at one point it was Ray Romano, Mark Marin, Judd Apatow, Gary Shandling, and then Bo Burnham. And Bo Burnham's like a kid. He's, I think, 18 at the time, maybe 19. And he is, you know, kind of just sitting around with these like comedy legends, right? This is Apatow before he was full Apatow, but he was he was pretty Apatow. And as a joke, uh, they made a reference to another comic who was actually in the audience, and Ray Romano said, "You should be up here," uh, and then pointed, you know, at Bo and said, "Instead of Bo," and Bo said, "Yeah, as someone from a different generation, who are you guys?" Uh, and then Gary Shandling delivered, I think, which is one of the funniest lines and the most Gary Shandling line of all time is, you know, kind of appreciating Bo's humor. He said, that's good. That's really good because the feeling is so mutual. So being that I know our audience doesn't all skew into the millennial world, uh, let me give you a quick rundown of who Bo Burnham is. So Bo Burnham started his YouTube career in uh, March of 2006 and basically was like immediately a big deal. Um, he was satirical and doing a bunch of like really random sort of music stuff. He's a very talented musician and songwriter. Uh, and so while on the internet, uh, this is like in the time of break.com, a bunch of stuff that he was doing started getting like really, really noticed. Uh, like big time, big time noticed. So by the time he was 18, uh, Comedy Central had signed him to a four uh, record deal uh, on Comedy Central Records and gave him his first half hour special, which was the youngest person to ever do that uh, on Comedy Central. So uh, who he actually is, though, so he's 30, which means he was born, born in 1990. Let that sink in. That hurts. Uh, he was originally admitted to the Tisch School of Art in New York, which is a pretty big deal, but decided to just sort of pursue comedy uh, and just started releasing more and more stuff. Um, his early stuff, the Boston Globe actually, I thought, set it beautifully. I remember reading it back then, and it still is kind of how I describe him to people often, is simultaneously wholesome and disturbing, intimate in a folksy, creepy sort of way, uh, which is really just sort of, that's who Bo is. I think that's very well put. So that being said... 
you should just YouTube Bo Burnham, and there's a lot of stuff on there. Try to find the stuff when he looks like he was a child, because you'll be amazed that, A, he was a child. He was 13 when he first kind of broke onto this, or 16 when he broke onto the scene. Uh, and B, that like he was doing some pretty sophisticated jokes for a 16-year-old. Um, but he has this amazing talent of sort of weaving in very, very serious um, social political threads into like these really sort of upbeat, silly moments. Um, which is a real talent. And if you think about the people that he's talked about who influenced him, uh, people as well-known as like George Carlin, as Anthony Jeselnik, as Mitch Hedberg. But then when you think about the music side of things, like Flight of the Concours and Dimitri Martin uh, and Tim Minchin, but then also sort of famously um, Hans Tewin. So Hans Tewin was a Dutch absurdist. And you can see a lot of, of Hans Tewin in his work. He actually has a really interesting moment in this particular special that sort of nods to Hans, which is kind of cool. So this particular special is the fifth that he's done. Uh, Make Happy was released in 2016 on Netflix, and I think that sort of boosted him into a new world for a lot of people. I think a lot of people were not as familiar with him until that. Specifically, at the end of his show, he has a, a bit called The Kanye Rant, uh, which opened our show here. And it was sort of, a, I think it was a seminal moment for him because it launched him into this other world of stardom because he is an alt comic. Uh, he's definitely an alternative comic. He's not like a sort of, you know, he's very well known. He's very successful, but he's not like a Bill Burr, right? Like there's there's a little bit more, there's awkwardness to him. There's there's a little bit of like theater kid to him. And so he's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, and also, you know, he sort of knows that and he plays to that. And that's sort of his point. So he's also a very accomplished writer, by the way. He wrote and directed Eighth Grade, which is absolutely beautiful. And I actually think probably deserves some like Oscar noms to be completely candid. He's a very, very talented kid. He's clearly sort of like a unique soul. And then he, uh, so after he did Make Happy, uh, he did a tour and he literally ghosted, um, openly sort of let it be known that he was having panic, panic attacks like while on stage and that he just wasn't happy anymore, which is funny considering it was called Make Happy. And he talked about like his mental health in that show quite a bit, uh, specifically towards the <clears throat> towards the end of that show. And he just sort of stopped. He literally just sort of went away. He, he, he directed eighth grade in that time. Uh, he did some other writing credits in that time, but he sort of was no longer going to do the stand-up thing. And it was sad for those of us who loved him. And then on June 1st, uh, Inside was released on Netflix. And I really thought about how I was going to do like five questions and stay true to kind of like who we are as a, you know, as a podcast and what we talk about. And Jeremy's not here. So I did the five questions thing once before when I did American Pickle. And I was like, this could be fun. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to I'm not going to do five questions. I'm actually not going to do anything. I'm just going to talk about the special and try not to ruin it for you. So this is almost going to be me plugging why you absolutely have to see Bo Burnham's Inside, but also when you should consider seeing Bo Burnham's Inside. So the premise of this, if you've not heard it yet, is basically uh, during the pandemic, Bo Burnham has a studio apartment in his attic, and he basically locked himself in that room for a long time. 
Uh, not locked himself like in some crazy way. Also, there's a lot of performative art in everything that he does, so it's unclear how much he was actually locked in, but that's sort of the feeling that the special gives you, was that he was, you know, sort of maniacally locking himself in this room to finish the special. And I got to tell you, it is, uh, it, is a, it is a singular piece of art. And the reason that I think this particular special is so exciting is because I think he's the only person that could have done it I think he needed to exist in the state he was in where he had not done something like this and not created this kind of art form in a while and want to do it again. And then the pandemic had to happen. And then he had to still have the creative need and fire to make this thing. And he needed to do it anyway, even potentially at the detriment of his own mental health. And that was such a mirror for, I think, where much of the world was during that time. And so to release this, like that series of events that led to Bo Burnham creating Inside is so singular, <laughs> like clearly. Uh, but it's just unbelievable. Like all those things that had to happen and the timing with which it all needed to occur, it all culminated in this way that almost feels like some of this stuff happened so he could create inside, which I understand is like a crazy thing to say out loud because clearly like we didn't have a global pandemic. So Bo Burnham could do comedy. But if you watch inside, I think it might make sense to you as to why I would say that the premise of the special is not special, to be honest. I mean, it really kind of flows with what Bo usually does. Uh, he sort of picks little things that he wants to make reference to or little things that he thinks are funny and he exploits them and makes them hysterical through like an extraordinarily unique talent set of production and music, musical creativity and songwriting. In this particular instance, um, we'll talk about sort of like the actual set design, quote unquote, later. Uh, but what he did this time is, you know, as he tends to do, it's again, the, the concept of the special wasn't all that highbrow. It's I'm going to pick all these individual things. He doesn't really worry about transitioning material. He just sort of says, this is a thing I wrote a song about that I think is funny. And then here it is. And in this particular special, he picked all of these things and he builds on a, a very particular narrative around, you know, how much of your life you control versus not and how you feel and how the things you do makes you feel. Um, but each bit, if taken out of context, stands on their own and they're hysterical. Uh, but his ability to thread the needle in this one and build on it and where it ends, the first half of this special, of which there actually is a genuine intermission, is a little bit more lighthearted. And it's very, very silly and funny. And it's kind of like more, I would say, traditional Bo Burnham stuff. And in the second half, he really, really dials up the self-awareness and just the sort of social commentary, but through his experience, which is a thing that I think is really, really interesting and incredibly difficult to do. Uh, Bo Burnham has managed in this to make a special that is only about himself, like spe very specifically about him and how he feels and what he needs and what he's going through and and made that unbelievably universal, which is, I, it's like I have a hard time wrapping my head around the process of how this got made. So let's talk about how it got made really quick. 
So this is literally a studio apartment. You can see there's like a little bed and a small little kitchen and then there's a front room. And the production of this is bonkers, is the only way I can describe it. The time and energy that, that Bo put into every single camera position and lighting, the editing in this is like mind-blowing. And if you haven't seen it, I know this sounds crazy. It's like, well, how good could it be if he just locked himself in a room? Right. That's the point. Like, that's why this thing is like, I, that's why I'm like, I, I'm at a loss for words in describing how this works as well as it does and why this is so special. Like, he's just in a room, but he uses disco balls and he uses lights and he uses his body, which is really, really weird, but also extraordinarily interesting. He uses shadows um, he uses not light. He uses darkness. He uses positions. And it's like a cubby of a room. This is not like a big, don't think like cool studio apartment. This is like a, it's a hallway, right? It's like a little hallway. It's like a West Village apartment in the city. And he manages to make the space feel really, really big and then extraordinarily small in moments. Um, and it's really just, I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, the other thing that's important to note is Bo Burnham's like 6'6 or 6'6. He's a big dude. So he is a giant in this tiny little room, um, which also plays into the overall narrative of the stuff that he winds up talking about and, and how he's feeling and where he is in the moment in time that he created this art. So take, you know, a, a very talented comic, an incredible songwriter, someone with extraordinary attention to detail, and put them in a room for a year and say, create things for people that will both entertain them and make them think, and also get the expression that, you know, whether it's the degree with which he needed to get it out of his system is sort of open for interpretation, which is another thing I think is great about the special is like, he he's performing. And so how broken he was in some of this, because there are moments when it looks like he's breaking. I don't know. Right? Like, there's some real Andy Kaufman vibes in parts of this where you're like, ooh. Um, but Bo is also very aware of that stuff, and he's he's tapped into that before. So whether he was doing that intentionally and he wanted, to, wanted you to feel that, or whether it was actually happening and he is as exposed as any one human could ever be in those moments where he's really showing the most pain and suffering and mental anguish that he could be in, it's unclear. But, but that's part of what makes this so fascinating and, and so riveting is because regardless of whether it was real or not, it feels real. And the emotion and the feeling that he is displaying is what he was feeling. Uh, how true it was in that moment is kind of irrelevant, which is why I think this is just like a, trans like a, a transformative piece of art. Because where it will take you is, I don't know, I've, I've never felt like this about a special before. Movies can do this, TV shows have done this, episodes of things have done this, but like comedy specials, which is evolving, right? Like it's, it's really, really evolving. Hannah Gatsby, I think, gets more credit than she probably deserves for sort of breaking the wall of comedy down. I think people have been doing that for a very, very, very long time. She just happened to strike a chord with people in a moment in time and a group of people, I think, who were underserved by the comedy world in general and needed it. Um, this by by no means is meant to take her down. I think she's incredible. 
and I, I love both of her specials. Uh, but this particular, this this inside, Bo Burnham's inside is, I think it goes even beyond what, what she did in the sense that I don't even know if you call it comedy. Like, I, I don't even know what to describe this. Like, if somebody said how, you know, describe this to me in five words, which is a trope that we do, I don't know. I think I might just say, like, sit back and watch. Like, I, I can't put to words what he did here. Uh, if if you looked at a track list of this set, there's bits like uh, White Woman's Instagram that are just straight up hysterical, like straight up poking fun, uh, too funny, can't get enough of, absolutely perfect. I wouldn't change a single thing about it. And then there's other pieces uh, that I think are, you know, basically like devastating. Like, truly devastating. Still funny, right? Um, but, like, Hands Up, Eyes on Me, which is uh, the second to last piece of this, is, aside from being a banger, by the way, like, <laughs> he's happened to write this, like, really, really catchy song that could probably just be on the radio and people would never question what it was about and it would be fine. Uh, it is also so wrapped in layers of complexity and where he put it in the show and how he performs it in the show. And there's a laugh track and where the laughs land are I mean, every little detail is just so compelling and so thought out and so intentional. And this special is just, it's special. So one of the things that's happening in, in the world right now around this, right, which to me, this feels like everyone's talking about it, but I also exist in a world that talks about comedy a lot and a world that was very aware that Bo Burnham existed. So maybe no one's heard of this. Like, I don't know how big this actually is or isn't, but I think it's kind of like, I do think it's popular. I think it's made it into the zeitgeist. Uh, Jeff, word check, how'd I do? That being said, I think that what Bo has done here and where you need to be to watch it is an interesting thing. Because if, if you walk into this thinking like, you know, it's going to be a chuckle fit, uh, no, it, it's not that. Uh, and if you walk in cold and you don't know him, right? Because as I talked about earlier, like, this is sort of what he's always done. He's always been making references to things. And by the way, making references to things that like a lot of comics stay away from. Like he really, really plays with sexuality and he plays with race quite a bit. Uh, he's a hip hop fan. So he's really dived into like sort of both nodding to and aggressively picking on the hip hop world. Uh, he struggled himself with the fact that like people just sort of labeled him as homosexual a lot when he was a teenager, uh, which to be clear, like is trauma. And he has written really, really unfortunately funny, but also, also like scathing and really personal songs about that stuff and performed it for people. So it's not overly surprising, in my opinion, that he had to like disappear for a bit to get his head straight. But when you watch this, um, I think you need to walk into it understanding its art. I think you need to like walk in understanding that like it is a one man show and uh, there are moments where it's very funny. There are moments where it's very sad. There are moments where it uh, is going to make you kind of sit back. I mean, there's a genuine part uh, actually in hands up eyes on me where I laughed out loud and said oh no Bo and put 
the covers over my face because of just how intensely a lyric hit me. Like, I'm not even sure, like, as I'm doing this, like, I don't know if this is, this probably isn't a particularly good podcast. I wanted to record so that, like, it was known, my voice was out there, that I think this is a masterpiece of sorts. I think this is, like I said earlier, I just think the timing of this, how it came together, who made it, where he was in his life, where where his art was, where his maturation of his art was, where his ability was technically, again, the technical side of this is beyond me, um, is just so extraordinary. Like, it's just so absolutely extraordinary that all those things lined up that he was able to do this thing that he did is just beyond me. Like, it's it feels spiritual to a certain extent. Like, it feels like the universe conspiring to make this particular thing happen. And I just can't tell you how much you should watch this and that you should be mindful that when you do, <laughs> it might mess your day up, <laughs> to be completely honest. The other thing I would love to do is, like, after you watch it, go through the process of, like, how you would create something like this. Like, the mental gymnastics that you would have to go through to write the music, write the lyrics, make sure that there was a thread that you were comfortable with, make the commentary that you wanted to, film yourself. He filmed all of this himself. He edited, I think, the majority of it himself. It looked like, uh, I actually watched the credits after because I was fascinated by how this got made. And it looks like there might be some post-edit stuff, some post-audio stuff with Twitch tracks. But the majority of it was just him. So to record, right? Well, first of all, write, record, playback, edit, decide if it's good enough or not, and do that basically on your own. I mean, he lives with his girlfriend, so like maybe he had a little bit of her. I'm sure, I'm sure, like she supported him through this, but you know, it's a creating is a singular thing. I mean, I, I just, I can't even put my head in that headspace of what that would look like and what would that would feel like and how you would keep it together to be able to put this thing out, which again, all leads back into this performance that he gives of just being absolutely wrought with anxiety and frustration and concern and depression. And am I good enough? Is this good? Why am I doing this? Why are we here? And and if you go back to, you know, the forgotten year, 2020, because I don't know about you guys, but like when people are like last year, my brain just goes to 2019. Like I'm already doing the trauma thing of just like, yeah, 2020 is not a thing. We're just going to pretend it didn't happen. Uh, but when you think about where you were and what you had to do to keep yourself occupied and mentally well, and then to think that somebody was doing all, you know, has all the same emotions and feelings and brain triggers that you have. And then in the process was trying to create this thing and this thing is pretty intense uh, and turned into something really intense. And to think about his body of work and kind of what he talks about and who he is, I can't imagine having the wherewithal to put this together. And and then even scarier is to do it and then release it. Like to release something that's that personal, that took that long, that you did by yourself. There's no blame. There's just no blame, which is such a, wild thing to take on as a human to just know that you made something that you're proud of that you poured in 
God knows how many hours this kid put into this. I can't even wrap my head around that. And then to release it and then hope that it's well-received and that people understand what you were trying to say and that they laugh at what they're supposed to laugh at, but not at stuff they're not supposed to laugh at. And then to, you know, track the beginning of the special, which is more lighthearted and the end of the special and to see which one resonates more with people and to see if you gain or lose fans. I, I mean, this is just so exposing. Like you're just so exposed, which is true for anyone that creates and releases art, by the way. Like, you know, to a certain extent, like Jeremy and I spend more time on this than you guys probably think because we care and and it does matter. The final product matters. And even though it's just like two really good friends having a really good time being silly and goofy, we do want it to be good and we want people to enjoy it because that matters to us. And so we, I feel that like every week when, when I edit this, like I feel like, you know, do we sound good? Do, are we saying what we want to say? You know, does it sound like we know what we're doing? And, and then you put it out and you hope that people enjoy it. Every special, every comic ever has had to do that when they release jokes on Instagram, when they write something on Twitter. Like, they have to think, like, is this going to land? All those things go through your head. That's just the human condition. But to do something this raw um, and this exposing and this emotional, coming off of a year where all of us were exposed, right? I think, like, our, our nerves are as exposed as they've ever been as a group of people in, you know, probably since World Wars, uh, which are very different, obviously. I'm not drawing a correlation, but just like having the, the unity of like all of us sort of having a similar understanding and going through something truly universally is really unique. It's a really different thing that's never happened in my lifetime for sure. And so to be going through that and to do this thing and put it out to all these people who also are still kind of like unnerved and have raw emotions and don't know how to feel yet is just really brave. And aside from the fact that it's brave, uh, he absolutely crushed it. And it was so impressive. And so basically, I don't have five questions. I don't have five words. Uh, what I have is a glowing recommendation. And basically, uh, I'm begging you, if you appreciate art and you, and, and, you can, and you can sit through something that is heavy but is meaningful, uh, go watch Bo Burnham's Inside. Part of me hates you. Part of me needs him. Part of me fears you. I don't think that I can handle this right now Handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now I don't think that I can handle this right now Look at them, they're just staring at me like Come and watch the skinny kid with a steadily declining mental health as he attempts to give you what he cannot give himself. I don't think that I can handle this right now. I don't think that I can handle this right now. But they don't even know the herb of this right now. But they don't even know the herb of this right now.